I have spoken to you uh, the last time about Haggai, and Haggai had come back from the Babylonian captivity to build the temple. Cyrus had given them money, but they ran out of money, and this discouraged the people. We talked about last time how that the temple that he was rebuilding is compatible to the temple that's now in here. Jesus very clearly, and, the, and the Paul as well, points out very clearly that we are the temple of the living God. God's not interested in buildings anymore. Yes, we, he gives us buildings to protect us and house us and help us meet together, but that's not where he wants to dwell. He wants to dwell in here in this uh, temple. And so that's what, to me, that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit's all about, the Holy Spirit moving in when I get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so there's um, some things that were happening as you listen to the last um, teaching. And so I have to go on from there. Um, one of the reasons why the temple that we are here is being ignored and being um, let hang loose while everything else around us were working at it is because we often have wrong motives. And I want to just simply zero in on the whole issue of spending time with the Lord because that's what I explained last time is the most important thing in our life. So we need to pursue the Lord without having wrong motives. And so Haggai opens it up something like this. See, their, their, the purpose for rebuilding the temple in his time, their motivation was wrong. And so we have to get our motivation right. And, he, and God said this to Haggai to ask the people a question. He says, if you put dirty and clean things together, do the dirty things make the clean things clean? Dirty or do the clean things make the dirty things clean? I think I read that right. But you see, the answer is no. If, if you put dirty things with clean things, the dirty things will make the clean things dirty. He's saying you're doing the right thing by working on the temple because this is when they, they were at it again. He says you're doing the right thing, but your motivation is wrong. You don't have the right attitude. You don't have... And let's talk about us as an individual. If I spend time with the Lord and I fellowship with him and I, I, wa I want to give him pleasure, if I do because, oh, then maybe he'll fulfill the promises in my book, that's why I'm doing it. That's wrong motive. And God said to Haggai, and he says to us in the New Testament, I want you to have a right motive. I want you to be so aware that I'm the God that formed you, created you, give you my breath to give you life. I want you to serve me for that reason. Serve me and be my child because of who I am, not necessarily what I can do for you in the future, but who I am. And again, he says in verse 8 of that passage, Give careful thoughts to this. Think about it. Analyze your motives for spending time with me. Take all the selfishness out. Take all the preconceived ideas, oh, I'll be, I'll be favored by God, and 
take all the rotten stuff out, then, oh, people see me as a very godly person because I'll have all this wisdom flowing out of my mouth after spending time with the Lord. We got to get rid of all that. We have to start seeing ourselves as Jesus saw himself in Philippians chapter 2, where he literally chose to become nothing and lowered himself to nothing. Where I say, Lord, I have nothing. I expect nothing. I give you what I have, and that's my life. I give it to you and fellowship with you. But Lord, if you never ever give me anything, if you never bless, if you never meet with me, I still will see you as a holy God and recognize that you deserve my worship, you deserve my time, everything simply because of who you are. That will eliminate the wrong motives from spending time with the Lord. Well, what do you do about that? We need to repent of wrong motives. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to start doing the work of changing in us. The Bible says that we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. After we were saved and baptized in water, we're new creatures. But you see, there's a, a time of construction in there, a time that it takes for God to do that stuff within us, to get all that old nature out and in. And repentance is what moves that stuff out and brings in the good. I was really blessed. I was watching something not too long ago. I think it was a documentary about Billy Graham. And he spoke of his wife who had passed away. And on her tombstone, she had put, put on that tombstone. I got them to engrave in there. It says, thank you for being patient with me while I was under construction. And I thought, that is so precious. We recognize God is changing us. But that under construction means it takes a while. And so as you see wrong motives in your life, as you sense it, that you're trying to manipulate God or by uh, 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 patronizing him, that you're going to get what the promise book says. You know, for years I've heard people say this. Whenever you're worshiping or praising or thanking the Lord and you sense the presence of the Lord, reach out and grab it for your healing. I think that's wrong. When I thank the Lord, when I praise the Lord, when I worship the Lord, those three things, our response to the Father, thanking Him for what He does, praising Him for what He's done, and worshiping Him because He's set apart as so special beyond any other being or creation. As I do those three things, I need always to do them without any strings attached, no manipulation, no not allowing my flesh to bring thoughts in that says, oh, maybe if I really praise the Lord hard, he'll do this for me. We need to erase those things. Now, I can tell you this. Praising the Lord has benefits, but that shouldn't be our initial reason. Thanking the Lord has benefits, but that should not be the initial reason. As for worship him. But we need to be people that approach the Father with a heart of thanks and a heart of praise and worship without expecting anything in return.
You know, if my boys had come to me, one of my boys had come to me and said, Dad, you're such an awesome father. You're such a wonderful dad. And you, you really raised us well. And I really appreciate the time that you spanked me. And you've taught me so much good things. And I, I'm sitting there enjoying this. And then he said, uh, could I have the car tonight? All of a sudden, I realized that he had a wrong motive for saying all those nice things. Kind of takes the warmth out of it, doesn't it? And so that's the way it is. With he's my father. And he's an awesome father. I, I sit here grieving almost because I've listened for years to people that had terrible fathers. And I'm sure there's people watching, listening right now. You've had bad father images. You've had abuse from the fathers. You've got all the stuff that have driven you away from father and wanting to be a child of him. But you say, in spite of what you've been through, it's about time you said to yourself, nevertheless, I was created to spend time with God and he will help me see him as my father. You see, David, I'm going to be talking about this in a few minutes, but I'm going to insert it right now. In Psalm 27, David talks, starting at verse 4, about spending time with the Lord. It's the one thing he really wants. Talks about it. But he says down in verse 10, even though my father and mother have forsaken me, you have not forsaken me. Now let's quickly look at his history. He was out in the field tending the sheep. He was the youngest, youngest of those boys. And Samuel the prophet comes, and Samuel says to Jesse, David's father, I'm here to anoint one of your sons with oil to be king of Israel. They went to the first one. God said, that's not him. Went to the next one, that's not him. Next one, that's not him. Went through the whole list. But you see, Samuel had said to Jesse, bring all your sons. But he didn't bother with David. He's out in the field. Now that's rejection. Samuel said, have you got any more? Well, yes, we got the one out in the field looking after sheep. It's just a kid. Samuel said, bring him. You see, that's rejection. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Many of you know what I'm talking about. And listen. The Father wants to prove to you. He wants to prove to you what a father is really like. He wants to show you. He wants to disciple you in it. There's books to read. There's people that teach on the Father heart of God. I know a guy named Floyd McClung has a good one, but there's others out there. We need to find out what God is like, really. He's not like our earthly fathers. And in Luke 11, he says, I'm not like your evil fathers. He knows that we're imperfect. I'm imperfect. All of fathers are imperfect. Some of them are more imperfect than others. And have destroyed your whole appetite to even wanting to know what a father's like. But God wants to show you there is a father's heart that loves genuinely. And so this is what God said to him. He says, if you'll repent, if you'll come, 
He said, get rid of your wrong motives. And then I will bless you. For this day on, I will bless you, he said. Oh, the love of the Father. He wants to bless us, even though that's not why I came in. That's what he wants to do. You know, if my boy had said to me, you're a wonderful father and all that, and then I would, after he's all done, uh, I would say, and so, is there anything you want today? No, not really, Dad. I just want you to know that I love you and I appreciate you. You know what I'd be tempted to do? I'd say, son, did you want to go out tonight and do something? Well, I thought maybe I would. I wasn't sure yet. Oh, why don't you take the car? That's kind of the way it works with the Father in heaven. He wants to give us the desires of our heart. Psalm, Psalm, the Psalm 37 says so. He wants, but it says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight myself in the Lord means praise, thanksgiving, thanksgiving and praise and worship. I delight myself in the Lord. And then he would give me the desires of my heart. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you. I like to be surprised when God does. You know, I've had some telephone calls while we're in ministry that were away and beyond what I ever expected. Away and beyond. Oh, Father, you're such a... Father, you bless me again. I wasn't expecting that. Paul said, beyond what we ever dreamed or imagined, if we get our motives right in being a son to him and a daughter to him, if we kept our motives right, no strings, no manipulation, he cannot be manipulated, by the way. Clean it up. God, I'm here. You know, there's a song out there that you hear once in a while and on some of the, some of the um, uh, gospel songs. Lord, I didn't come here to ask for anything. I didn't come here for any other reason. I just come, Lord, to talk with you. And every time I hear that hymn, it just blesses me so much because that's a right motive. I'm just here, Lord, to talk with you. And so let that be our thoughts. Let that be what the Lord wants. Now, if you want to talk about Nehemiah, um, just to help us understand, Nehemiah came back to order to build the walls. And the walls of the city had a lot of the same principle as the walls of the temple. And so Nehemiah had come first. And I believe that's the, the, the progression of history here. Come first to build the walls. He ran into a lot of the same problems. It, it, the, some of the enemies, Tobias and Ballot, were enemies. They didn't want the wall to be built. And so there's a lot of discouragement that came against Nehemiah from the people, from these two guys, and from some others that the Bible mentions. And so he had to really lean on the Lord to get the walls built. And so I'm going to look at that a bit just to help us understand the struggle that we can go through 
It says, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Syria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring stones back to life from these heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Let's stop there. You must realize that there are certain kinds of stones, especially sandstones, but I guess other kinds of stones, if they're burnt badly, they lose their consistency and they can turn to powder if it's too... As a matter of fact, that's what lime that we use in plasters made out of stones that are burned. So in verse 3, so they're saying, they can't build the city. It's impossible. These enemies, all these, the army, their associates, what are they saying? And then Tobiah, the Amorite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? If even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their walls of stone. And all this stuff is being spoken out it's not some say, it's spoken out. And you see the children of Israel that had come back from captivity to build the walls, it would discourage them. What happens when I want to spend time with the Lord? The enemy is there to discourage me. And he puts these thoughts and these things into my mind. That's when Paul talks in Ephesians 6 about the the arrows of the, uh, and the armor of God and the arrows, the flaming, the flaming darts, the old King James calls them flaming arrows, the New Test, New International calls them. Those are the thoughts from the enemy. Oh, you don't have time to spend with the Lord. Or, or my greatest one was, you're really not important enough for God to spend time with you. I struggled with that for years. There's thousands of times, probably, I'm guessing, maybe, thousands of times I get up out of there and went and did something else because I had the thought, I'm not important enough. And I begin to realize that when I was growing up, I had a, I had a good father, but he held out two full-time jobs in order to support us because it was in the, in the early 40s, the end of the Depression. And so... He was gone evenings. He was gone mornings. Even the summer months, he was gone. Either working on the farm, which I could work with him, but it wasn't time of fellowship or playing or, or being a child around my dad. It was helping him. And then on Sundays, he would sleep. I can't blame him. On Saturday, he would try to get some sleep in because the one job was farm, seven days a week. The other job was five days a week. And he worked nights at that. And you say, I, I developed an attitude that says, I'm not important enough for my dad to spend time with me. I, I never put together the fact he's working hard to buy food for me, buy clothes, heat the house, send me to school. I never looked at that. I just looked, he wasn't spending time with me. So therefore, I guess I'm not valuable enough. And I brought that into my Christian walk with the Lord. Now, maybe you have something. I remember counseling the girl years ago. I was trying to get her 
to a place where she could accept God as having a love for her, being a loving father. And she kept, it wasn't working. So I said to her, why don't you just think of what it is to have a loving father here in this earth and realize that God loves you the same way. Her response was, well, my dad told me that in order for him to prove his love for me, he would sexually molest me, and that's what he did for many years. All of a sudden, I realized that's the image she has of God, that he's going to abuse her, he's going to take advantage of her, he's going to destroy anything she has that would accept love from the Father in heaven. It took me by surprise. And so... I don't, have, I don't remember the outcome of that counseling session, but I do know this. There's many of us out there who have a bad image of a father. Therefore, there seems to be a barrier because the fear we might have had of our earthly father, we have of the heavenly father. The, the guilt that he caused and blame me for his stuff, the father in heaven will do the same. All those things work together to keep us from knowing him. It's the enemy. But you see, in your flesh and in the power of the Spirit, start to deal with those things. Start to forgive your Father. Everything that Lord brings your mind, forgive him. It may take days, but it's worth it. Forgive him and pray blessing on him because we're supposed to bless our enemies. We're supposed to pray for those that despitefully use you. Those are scripture. Bless Bless them, pray for them, pray they'd be saved if they're still alive. Pray, Lord God, for your mercy on them. Ask you, you say, well, I don't feel like that. I can't. Listen, it's not about a feeling. It's about doing what the scripture says so you can be free from feelings. Feelings don't tell you the truth. Feelings says, oh, you should never have done that. Or, uh, you know, God's going to be the same way, so don't go near it. Those are all thoughts and feelings that come from the enemy, and you need to fight against them. God is a God of purity in his love. He's pure in his love. He is not selfish. He is not manipulative. We have free choice. We can receive it or reject it. It's free. There's no strings attached. At this very, I've been serving the Lord for over 40 years. At this very moment, I could deny God and go my own way. Now, I'd pay the price for it because I know what going my way. Down there is health, our eternity, and even, even bad things that can happen here. But you see, I have that choice. It's not some kind of a, 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 tang, a tangible thing that binds me or locks me in. He wants to walk with me. Do you know what happened at the walls? They're saying it can't be built, can't be helped. In Nehemiah 6, the wall was completed in 52 days. 
Do you know why? Because God was with them. And do you know why you you can be restored to rev, to bring a revelation of God and his love? You can be restored. It takes repentance. It takes forgiving. It takes working through and blessing and loving those who've hurt us and wronged us. It takes a, it takes a discipline. But believe me, it is worth it. You need to work at it and work at it. Get help if you need to. But there's no other step except the first step of repentance saying Lord you created me to be in your presence and I have disobeyed you I am sorry I broke the first commandment of the Old Testament and the first commandment of the New Testament I've broken them actually I should say the first three in the Ten Commandments and the first one in the New Testament Ask the Lord and don't say, well, that's because my dad or that's because of this person. Because Stop justifying yourself. Recognize the fact that God wanted you in your presence. Said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I have never dealt with it up to, I'm sorry. I've been out of your presence. Please forgive me and please restore me. I want the wall around this temple to protect me from the enemy. I want this wall to be rebuilt. I want the temple to be rebuilt, Lord. You did in Nehemiah's time in 52 days. You can do it faster now because the power of the cross is much more rapid than that. Hallelujah. How do we deal with thoughts that say I'm not spiritual enough to be in God's presence? Okay, he showed me Joshua the high priest standing. This is from the book of Zechariah. This is the same time frame that it was written. He showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing outside to accuse him. Hey, there we go. He's right there to accuse. Uh, God, you know what Howard did back? Remember, uh, he's there to accuse me to the Father. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Listen, I and you, we've been snatched from the fire. We're a burning stick. Now, when a stick is burned, it's not much good. But listen, the stones were burned, and God did it anyway. The sticks are burned, but God can repair them. Now, Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. That was me, filthy before the Lord. I had put everything else before the Lord except him. Filthy clothes. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I'll put rich garments on you. That's why the Bible and New Testament talks about the righteous robes of Jesus. I have on me righteousness that is not from my own works. It's righteousness as a gift from God because I came to God and said, I'm sorry, Lord, you, I haven't put you first. I've sinned. He's forgiven me and I have been cleansed. The clean clothes are on me now. And then he said in verse 5, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with the angel of the Lord while the angel of the Lord stood by. Glory to God. What's the garments? Righteousness. What's the turban on the head? Starting to renew my mind. I can see the Father the way he really is. And five times in this book of, of Haggai, give careful thoughts to your ways. I'm saying this today 
because I want you to give careful thoughts to your ways. Two times, give careful thoughts to your spiritual lives. Three times, give careful thoughts to the temple in here. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his righteousness. Father, you truly are an awesome God. I thank you, my God. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do, in the, do the work in these people, Lord God. please visit our website at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.